Vernomatic Productions. Are you ready? Live from the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold. And heard around the world by metalheads just like you. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Heavy metal music. Your weekly dose of metal music, interviews, album reviews, news, and more. Want to be part of the show? Send us a message through our website, MetalMayhemROC.com. Or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Search Metal Mayhem ROC. It's getting nice and heavy. And now, welcome tonight's host, John the Vernomatic Verno. Metal Walt calling in from New Jersey. John the Burnomatic, he uh, he took the day off, so he's handed me the keys to the car. On today's episode, we're speaking to Graham Bonnet. Graham, of course, is best known for his time as singer of Rainbow, MSG, Alcatraz, Impelatari, as well as a renowned solo and global touring artist. And he's a true veteran of melodic heart rock. And on the 13th of May, he released a brand new Graham Bonnet band album, Day Out in Nowhere. Welcome to Metal Mayhem ROC, Graham. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very wonderful. I, I, I had a late night last night, but no, I didn't really. I actually went to the, to the whiskey to see a band play that uh, Bethany's friend was playing drums in, a female uh, ACDC band. It was quite good. It wasn't bad. So it's, anyway, I'm here to talk to you, and uh, I'm very happy to do that. Definitely my pleasure to be able to speak to you, uh, and congratulations on the, uh, the new release. And doing my research, this album was, I believe, made throughout the pandemic and is the third release in this unit and the follow-up to the 2018 release, uh, Meanwhile, Back in the Garage. So before we get into that, just tell me off the top of your head for you, for us and the listeners, just how many albums and or appearances do you think you perform on throughout your career? Your discography must be extensive. You know, I don't know. I haven't counted, but quite a lot. You know, I've done a lot of sessions for other people. I work with uh, people like, well, who I work with in Rainbow Don Airy. I did an album with him. Um, oh, my God. It goes right back to 1968 when I first started recording professionally kind of thing. And that was with uh, the Bee Gees who gave me a start in my, in my career. Um, thanks to Barry Gibb and Robin and Morris Gibb. They were the guys that uh, put me on the road. Um, and since then, since 68... God, I, I don't know, but quite a lot of albums. And I thank, I thank Barry Gibb very much. He's the only one left now, uh, bless their hearts, you know. Yeah. It's their brothers, and um, they were close friends of mine. And, but now uh, it's been years since I've seen Barry. I saw him a couple of uh, years ago at the uh, Hollywood Bowl. But it's been, a, there's a lot of albums, um, probably a couple of hundred. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I can't count. That's amazing. So I see that uh, on, on the new album, the main players are, of course, your longtime collaborators, uh, Conrado Pesonato, if I'm saying it correct, yeah. on guitar, and uh, Beth Amy Heavenstone on bass, both who produced the album, um, in addition to some other guest musicians, which we'll touch on as we get into some of the songs. Uh, so today, what we'd like to do is take a deep dive into the album and then sort of take a trip down uh, heavy metal memory lane and revisit some of your past. To kick this off... I must commend you for your singing prowess on this album. I mean, it's hard to believe, I think, if this is correct, that you are 74 years old now. So how just do you keep your, your voice in such kind, fine condition? Yeah, I, everybody asks me that, you know, when they come to shows. How the fuck do you do that, you know? How old are you now? Yeah, I'll be 75 in December. Yeet! You know, so I'll be soon 75, and that means that five years before I'm fucking 80. It's like, oh, bloody hell, you know? It's, the years go so damn quick. After you're 40 years old, you're suddenly 50, that 
I can't believe I'm 74 myself, but the voice thing, um, I don't know. I've just been very, very lucky. I have, um, this sounds stupid, I have very large lungs. I take after my granddad bonnet, uh, which gives me a lot of air to, to do, produce those notes. And also, I had a procedure done about, uh, oh crap, probably about 11, 12 years ago. I found that one of my vocal cords had collapsed. And uh, the my th throat specialist put, um, he did a little operation, put some cortisone into that that side of my throat, and my voice is okay now. It came back. I mean, it wasn't really bad. It was just getting a bit like, uh, you know, once in a while, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> what's wrong with my voice? Yeah. So he looked down and he says, yeah, you've got some scarring. You'll always have the scarring. But um, when he did that, I was very, you know, I was very happy because I could I had a more uh, clear voice. And um, so why... Uh, do you know, I don't know, because a lot of my friends uh, of my age who are singers don't, they don't produce the same voice anymore. They have a different speaking voice um, and their singing voice has obviously changed, you know, but I don't know why I've kept mine. I think it's probably from my mom, you know, with genes, I guess. My mom was a singer. My brother was a singer. And uh, I think it's just one of those things. You're kind of born with it. Uh, but I'm very lucky and I, I don't want this to end because I enjoy singing so much. But obviously sometimes, you know, especially when you're traveling a lot, it can can go, you know, it goes out the window. And it's sometimes hard to sing because, um, you know, I like to sing purely and as much as I can. But tiredness, uh, unhappiness too, if you're unhappy, you know, you can't do it. You've got to be happy and sing. So well, I'm happy now. I'm very happy now. And when we did the album, I was very pleased at the way things were going. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm a happy boy. <laughs> it's, that sounds so stupid, but, but it, happiness really helps you sing. And sure, it sure does. It's, it's with everything we all do. Tell us a little bit about this this band, because you've had a lot of solo bands, probably a lot of guys that have come in and out of your touring unit. What represents the Graham Bonnet band, the musical style? I mean, tell us about the crafting of the songs. Like, what about this band now? Well, it's uh, basically, I guess, I guess you would call it hard rock. I've even been told that some of the tracks on our album now are uh, progressive, prog rock. I'm, I, I didn't see that. I thought, prog rock? Okay. But the, I'll take that. You know, I'm sort of a bit fed up with people calling me a metal singer or whatever, yeah. um, because I think some of the music is a little bit more developed than just metal. It's it's good music um, and hopefully well sung. I, I I really put my heart into this thing, and uh, but I like um, you know I like things that have a great uh, chorus. Obviously, I love doing harmony, um, and I like to write a good story. So you know, this this album took I guess probably about a year. Um, because of the, you know, the COVID thing, probably a bit more than the year actually, to actually, but actually to put it together, we had time because nothing was happening. We weren't going to go anywhere. So um, it's always, for me, I've always got to tell a good story. And so I come up with subjects that aren't usually found in uh, so-called heavy rock songs or metal songs. I, you know, I don't write words about knights and castles and right. Like Ronnie, Ronnie did, Ronnie Dio, you know, the man on the silver mountain type of thing, you know, which is, you know, a lot sort of fantasy. Uh, I try to make up songs that are about real stuff, you know, and so a lot of it is like I'm reporting on on a uh, an event or something that's happened to me, you know, and lots of horrible things have happened to me, you know. So it, it's uh, about real life, but I always, I think with this this album, I think I've done a pretty good job with the lyric. I, I think. 
because yeah. uh, everybody's mentioned that that's heard it and listened. Peter, I think the first album we did we, with the Grand Bonnet Band, nobody seemed to listen to the lyrics until, like, you know, after played it a few times. It's one of, it's, that's the thing I like about what we're doing because I like to write a story that you can't just go, oh, yeah, that's all right. You can't just miss the story. You have to listen to it again and again. Oh, that's what's happening. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. You know, like the Beatles. When, when I used to buy the Beatles albums, you know, um, Abbey Road, et cetera, and, you know, and songs like Penny Lane, and what's that about? That's a story. It's a folk song, basically. And, um, you know, I, that's how I try to, to write my words. A good story where people are interested from the first line. Um, like, I can say one, one of the lines that was kind of, uh, what does that mean? Uh, from a, a song called Hiroshima Monomore, which I did with my band Alcatraz, you know, the opening line is, it's, it was newborn and 10 feet tall, but they called it little boy. Now, that sort of says, what the fuck, what does that mean? But that's what it was. And in the video, you see the bomb, and, it, and it's written on it as a little boy in the video, and when you've seen it. But uh, you know, lines like that, that open up the things for, for the listener to become inquisitive and wonder what the, the rest of the bloody song is going to be about. So that's what I did on this album. And uh, the guys, you know, the rest of the guys in the band were just saying, that's the way, Graham. That's you, you know. No, it's, what, it, it's my, I probably put my stamp on it. Uh, you absolutely so. did, Graham, because I followed your career. And I, I will say I'm probably 10, 10 listens through this new album. So I've absorbed it. And I'm a big old school guy. I like to follow the track order because I know there's some blatant and intentional uh, ways you place the songs in there. So, and, and they are, they're very thoughtful creative and uh, unique, let's say, plots in each of the songs. So let's get into it. I'm going to get right into the album. So let's okay. go into the the title, the title track, uh, Day Out Nowhere. Um, yeah. To the listeners that maybe haven't heard this album, you know, this is, you know, an upbeat and very melodic song or some really good power chords here. And this story to me, it seems to portray here that there's this sort of beautiful world that we live in. And then, like, the snap of the fingers, it just changes dramatically. Yeah. You use the line, where did we go on that afternoon? Yeah. Was it a day out in nowhere? And, you know, I then even looked at that lyric, and I looked back at the album cover, and there it is, you know, you standing outside this door, and it's surrounded by this dry, cracked earth and gray skies. Um, and then, of course, you have your token guitar there. So oh, yes. <laughs> tell us a little bit about the message, about the, the title track, the album title, the cover artwork, yeah. and even a little bit about your, your token signature guitar there. Well, the guitar is uh, it's a Hofner guitar, which I've been playing for years. I've always had a Hofner since um, the Beatles days because I saw Paul McCartney playing a Hofner, and that was it for me. So I have a few Hofner guitars. I have a, an endorsement with Hofner, so it's kind of cool. But that one is a very old guitar. It's about a 19, probably 1959 or something like that. It's a real jazz guitar, like a dance band guitar. Uh, so um, I used to be in a dance band when I was a kid playing my Hofner back then, the Hofner Committee. That oh, wow. is the same guitar, but uh, that's how I sort of had my upbringing was playing within a dance band and singing, you know, she gets too hungry for dinner around eight. Hey, and where are you from? <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. But it was a great training ground, you know, because we did so many different kinds of songs. Uh, you know, you had to have a different voice for, for different songs. You know, we sang a couple of Beatles songs or whatever, along with all these sort of standards. But um, the song, the song itself, 
and uh, the day out of nowhere was we were in Russia of all places, which is not a very friendly place at the moment. Right. But, um, we were in Russia and we were driving through the countryside and um, in a van and I was looking out the window and uh, I was going to myself, God, it's quiet out there. What's, what's happening? There's no, I couldn't see any light and no sign of life. There were no horses in the fields. All of a sudden this happened. You know, we're driving along before this happened and there was like horses and you know, birds flying, et cetera, et cetera, and dogs barking. And so we got to this particular area and suddenly everything was, there was nothing. The fields were empty and I opened the window and I thought, well, there's, there's no dogs barking like there were, you know, a few miles back. And I looked in the sky, there were no birds whatsoever, nothing. And another thing I thought, well, there's got to be something around there, there'll be something dead on the road. The road was completely clean, absolutely clean. There was no roadkill, you know, you find roadkill everywhere, you know, wherever you drive. But the road, it looked like it had been vacuumed, you know, there was nothing there. And I said to the guys in the band, I said, do you notice anything funny about this area? Yeah, now, no. So we'll look in the sky, do you see any birds? No, there aren't any birds. Just listen, do you hear any cattle or do you hear any dogs or anything out there, you know, live? No. And I think, well, what I, I've heard from other people, what, it, what, that, what happens on farmlands, they sometimes use electricity or gas to keep away, say, foxes or whatever from destroying the, the, you know, the crop, the crops and stuff like that. But this went on for about 10 miles. And it was so freaking weird. You know, I thought, where the hell are we? You know, what's happened? <laughs> you know, we went through a boom, a, a, you know, a fucking black hole or whatever. And um, we were coming into a, a city. And I said to the guys in the in the car, I said, uh, you know, um, you look in the sky in, in a few minutes. I bet you there'll be birds flying because we're coming into a city. Yeah. For some reason, I thought, well, nothing would have happened there. No one's being gassed or electrocuted. And they, sure enough, before as we came into where the city boundary, there were birds and you know cows in the fields and stuff. It was a, a strange moment. So that's where the idea of that came from. It's kind of a, a, a funny, uh, it was just a, an odd thing that day, just very, very odd. And so Conrad, our guitar player, he said, well, what we should have for the cover is something where you're standing in a completely empty space. And he said, maybe like have a door with that, but so you can don't go through that door and return to where you came from or something yeah. like that. You know, leave a bit of mystery there why the door is there. And that was his idea. But um, the story of, um, you know, the song is just that day. Just wow. So it really is almost an autobiographical. I wasn't sure if this was a little play on COVID, how life changed overnight, but it was oh, no. really your road trip through Russia. Yeah, I mean, it was so fucking weird. I mean, it really was. Yeah. It's like, it was a bit scary in a way. Yeah. What's, what's happened? So you weren't near Chernobyl, uh, Chernobyl or anything like that, but okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, so, you know, I thought it's a good idea for a song. Ta -da, yeah. you know. And so that's where that song came from. Well, that's great. So um, on to the song Imposter, you know. Now, this is uh, sort of the lead track on the album, the first video. And yeah. for you listeners out there, you have to check out the two videos that Graham put together with his band. They are just really, really well done, cool acting, some great uh, different stuff in there. Um, this is sort of that fast-paced rocker, very heavy and, you know, perhaps, perhaps synonymous with the sound that you've been known for for your career as a hard rock uh, artist. Um, I think that video is pretty clever. It's sort of you and the current band performing while yeah. you see all kinds of performances from your past playing on these old TVs, 
in the yeah. background. And then you kind of look at yourself now in the mirror, seeing a reflection of younger you. And yeah. uh, I think your humor comes out here and, you know, your lyrics in a way are very introspective. And, you know, I think it's here, you know, who are you, the pretender, now that I can see that stranger <laughs> reflecting, that man is me. But yeah. I really love the line, no one wants to hear, God, you look good after all those years. So but, no, everybody, no, somebody, everyone wants to hear that. You know, some, yeah. you meet someone, you know, after like 40 years of not seeing them, you go, God, you look great. Everybody's waiting for that compliment. <laughs> and uh, I, I know I won't get it because I, I thought, you know, for, for a long time, I was dying my gray hair dark, you know, and before that I was dying my hair freaking blonde and whatever. But uh, I thought, well, you know, I'm old now. I am older and I'll live with that. You know, my hair is gray. It's thinning. It's falling out. I'm going to admit that I'm older. I'm glad I am, you know. What's the alternative, you know? Right. You know, and uh, so I look in the mirror and I see this young guy and I go, yeah, I mean, I wish I did look like that. I want, I want to return to that time because I, I had a wonderful time, you know, growing up within the music business, especially, as I said, with the, the Bee Gees being my friends and everything and really getting to know the business and how to uh, perform, you know. Uh, I, I, I love my time in Rainbow, for instance. That, that was when I thought I looked pretty sharp, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I remember was going, what the fuck is this short, short hair? No, it was very 1979. That was the thin ties, the red pants, the helicopter yeah, yeah, sunglasses, exactly. the slick back hair, right? What's that all about, you know? And I remember the first, one of the first gigs we did, there was, the people were giving me the finger, you know, going, Ronnie, Ronnie, you know, yeah. all this was going on. And um, one that first night, I remember we did um, a song called Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow, which is an old Shirelle song, which we did once in a while. It was one of Richie's favorite songs I recorded on one of my solo albums. And um, <laughs> uh, there were these guys down front really getting angry at me for being short-haired and not, you know, flowing robes and, bleh, you know, whatever. And uh, so we did Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow. And th this little, there were about five, five young guys. And I, so I went over to where they were at. I sat down on the stage and tonight you're mine, completely. <laughs> and I sang them. <laughs> and they laughed and they were going, all right, we're on your yeah, side. He's you in, know? he's in. We, we like yeah. him now. Yeah, it was, that was a fun night. But, you know, and after like, after that first gig, people kind of knew I had short hair and whatever else. And they accepted me because um, I was nothing like Ronnie. I didn't sing like him. I didn't look like him. And in the first place, I didn't want to be in the band because I didn't think he fit, I fit anyway. I right. thought, well, when I went for the audition, I thought, well, I'm not like them. I don't wear the spandex pants and the, you know, everything, all that kind of thing. You know, the uniform of a hard rock band. I went to the audition. Uh, I was wearing my suit with a tie, a gray suit with a tie and a sweater underneath the, the jacket. Um, and uh, Cozy, <laughs> Cozy Powell uh, used to say, oh, here comes the bank manager after a while. I got used to that. <laughs> because Cozy, my best friend, he became my best friend, him and Don, we were very close. And uh, so, you know, I went back to London after doing the audition for the band because they gave me the job. And I said to my manager, I don't think I fit in this band at all. I don't look like them. And they're very, you know, sort of whatever. They're not my thing because I was doing like R&B and pop music. That was my thing. Or just weird music, anything. But not this so-called heavy rock deal. And so he said, no, Graham, uh, you should go back and carry on and record with the band. 
He was thinking about money for himself, of course, sure. which I never saw. I never saw a freaking penny of it. But he made a, a great deal of money out of me joining Rainbow. And he was actually right, because when I did go back and uh, you know work with Roger Glover in the studio and Richie, it was it just was an eye opener. And I thought, oh, I can do this. I, I use it. I can use a different voice and have a different kind of energy. But now I get it. I hear all this sort of semi-classical music. Where's the verse go? So uh, Roger Glover helped me. I said, we should put a verse here. I'll give you a, a little bit of a melody here. You ad lib on that. And then we'll write some words later. So with every song on that album, we had about four different takes of uh, each song. And then we changed the words later on. If Rich, Rich will come here and listen to them in and listen to them and say, no, I like this one best. I like this one best. And then we carry on, you know, develop it more. But Roger Glover wrote all the words, but I wrote the, you know, the top line, the vocal, you know, but I was never credited for it, which was something I didn't realize I was doing. Um, Somebody said to me, who made up the melodies? I said, well, I did. And they said, well, where's 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 your credit? Oh, because I was very green. You know, I was doing all sol- stuff by myself, solo stuff, and I, I wasn't ready for this. And, uh, well, you're, Graham, you're a songwriter. I am, you know. But, um, you know, it, it, the experience itself was um, worth giving up that uh, thing, I think. But uh, Yeah, and I, th- I think, you know, I mean, listen, you know, you you single-handedly, you, you impacted and had an impact, and you changed the sound of that band from that neoclassical style to the more melodic yeah. Radio friendly style, and again, you would leave. Joel and Turner would come in, and they would even go up another step on that. And yeah. then you look at Richie's career; he ended up going into, uh, you know, sort of the the the, the night stuff with Candace, his his wife. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think you know you certainly had a, an imprint on on his sound throughout his career. So credit to you, whether you truly get the royalties and the credit, uh, you know, that's a shame yeah. you didn't. But it, listen, it's 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 always going to be a big part of your career. So. Yeah. Uh, back to the uh, the new album, this, the uh, the next yeah, track yeah, I yeah, want to yeah. talk about. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, 12 Steps to Heaven. It's kind of a heavy song. Uh, it's a heavy musical song and heavy in, in the topic structure, but I think it's a nice, there's some nice piano in there. Um, yeah. You know, this one's obvious. This song is about sort of the 12 the step program, the substance abuse and recovery, and yeah. it has the character questioning the motives behind it and maybe perhaps minimizing the road to recovery only to say, wow, yeah. this is not as easy as as I thought it would be. Um, you kind of yeah. get very emotional in the song and, you know, you say certain things like, man, I risked this. I thought this was going to be easy and nobody, nobody could tell me how to do it. Um, but then it hit me hard. So yeah. talk about this song. I mean, why did you choose this subject matter? I mean, was this personal to you in some sort of way, if, if you don't mind asking? Yeah, no, I don't mind you asking at all. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I'm in AA for instance, but I don't go to meetings I try to understand what the the, the big book of alcohol, <laughs> alcoholics is. I, I look through it and damned if I can understand it. I don't see, I don't understand why someone can write down 12 rules that this is what you do to be a better person. You know, I didn't understand that at all. So that's what it's about. The confusion of um, how to, how to live a better life and not drink. Um, why bill w why did he write why does most alcoholics follow this thing this book uh you know the 12 steps and i don't see why so many people are sort of into it and take it so seriously when why can't there be another book of rules or no rules at all as long as you don't drink and get fucked up you know and you you become a better person on your own 
And that's what I say in the song, I think. You know, I thought I could do this all on my own. Um, nobody told me it would be this hard, but it is. It was. You know, I, I don't drink now at all. And, um, well, I drink water. <laughs> but that's what it's about. And um, it's just a confusion that of the, the instructions of the book, the big 12-step thing. I just don't get it. I don't get it. And some of my friends don't get it either. So what, I, what I've done, there's a place near us now that's for atheists and all the rest of um, AA meetings. And um, because the meetings I've been to, they involve, you know, praying and God and everything, which, again, I'm not religious at all. Never have been. So that's just something I will look into. I don't know. I haven't been to a meeting yet, but I don't know how that would run without all the prayers and, you know, uh, the end of the meeting, everybody holding hands and blah, blah, blah. It's... um. I'm not making fun of them, but it just, I don't connect with them at all, at all in any way. And so I tried um, going to meetings where the, it was all musicians and a lot of, you know, well-known musicians. And I found that was all too much buddy-buddy, you know, hey man, how you doing? Hey, tell me all that. Yeah, it's all like this. I'm going, nah, I couldn't join in with this. It didn't suit me either. But, but everybody was very friendly on this uh, particular Zoom meeting, but I didn't know them very well, but I knew who they were you know, famous uh, musicians. So I felt kind of out of that too. I didn't really belong to that. So that's why I'm going to try something else if I have to. But I, I, um, I, I think I'm a pretty good person. I don't drink at all. I can be around booze, you know, you know, I pour booze for the guys or whatever. It doesn't faze me at all. And it never crosses my mind about, oh God, I've got to have a fucking drink. This day is fucking horrible. Whereas when years ago, it was like, is this the best the day is going to be? Shit. I've got to do something about it. You know, so the the chemical comes in. Oh yeah, I'm all right now. And then another one. Then another one. Then another one. Then another one. Well, and I give you I give you credit for tackling a sensitive subject yeah, and putting I mean, yourself out there and, and into a song, and that's that's really yeah. uh, commendable. I'm glad you saw that. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. So uh, the next track, uh, "Brave New World." This one features Roy Z, legendary Roy Z on guitar. Uh, uh, some great melodic vocals and guitar work, a really good killer lead riff on this one. Um, I like the fantasy about this one, girl <laughs> and boy, you know, breaking the mundane of the relationship, a bit, of, yeah. a bit of sexual imagery here. You know, you have the black latex suit reference. Uh, you know, it seems like uh, the girl wants more. The guy is bored. He doesn't do enough. <laughs> the girl leaves. Do I have a story, right? So tell us a little bit about this one and maybe how Roy Z ended up in your camp on this one. Well, Roy Z is, is a friend of our guitar player, Conrado. That's how he came along and he came to the house and what a lovely guy he is, really great guy. You know, guitar players going to be a bit weird sometimes. Yeah. You know, guitar players and singers are a fucking pain in the ass. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? He's like, oh, no, it's my, I'm on stage now and I want to play my guitar. Okay, you know. And yeah, he came over and what a great, I felt like I'd known him for years. Anyway, he, he, he wrote this track, and I said to Bethany, I said, what? I'm, I'm running out of subjects now. What the fuck can I write this about, you know? And um, I thought, something came on TV. I think I was watching American Horror Story or something, and there was this woman with a, a you know, black zipper latex thing went all the way to her head, uh, top of her head, a little hole, in, yeah, that kind of thing. And I thought, oh, I know. I can write it about a girl who wants her husband to be turned on by this, you know, f the fetishes, you know, fe fetish 
yeah, whatever. Uh, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And, uh, you know, whips and chains. No, not whips and chains. But uh, something completely different from their boring sex life, you know, the uh, missionary position or whatever, you know. So uh, that's what it's about, basically, about a girl having fun with her boyfriend or whatever and saying, hey, let's try something different. It's a brave new world. And that's exactly what it's about. Very well, simple. Seemed, yeah, it, it was good. I like that one. I think uh, the listeners, uh, creativity on that one. So, <laughs> yes, nice job on that one. <laughs> Uncle Uncle John, now we're back to the dark side again. Yeah. Uncle John, uh, and for the listeners here, this is the other yeah. video. Uh, this yeah. one's really got, a, this is a great video. Um, you know, yeah. it's a song, I suppose, about a guy, a character that uh, in the mind portrays a person that's impeccable. You know, use the lyric persona divine, and that tells it all, which in reality, this person is the farthest uh, from the truth. But, you know, in the video, you sort of have this main actor. He's orchestrating his moves in the classroom as a teacher, and he's very synced up with the music. He's got the props, and then all of a sudden, it gets darker and darker. It goes from the happy guy to the smiling eyes mask to the nun statue and the dolls and the music box. It's... uh, the song really, really builds, but the story gets disturbing as the actions, pro, you know, progress. Yeah. So um, I, I have heard that there might be some truth to this story. Um, and it was actually something that you read about in the English press or something. So talk about yeah. this one. What made you tackle this subject? And what was the real you know, news about this character? Well, you know, it's something that's, uh, I, in fact, I was watching a thing uh, the other day about a, a guy called Jimmy Savile, who was a, a DJ in uh, England, and he used to host Top of the Pops, all those, you know, shows that I knew him, I knew him pretty well, and he was, he was put in jail, he was like, a, you know, he was put, taking little girls to his apartment, 13-year-old kids or less, and uh, he was put away, and he was a, a, a hero in that country. He was knighted. Uh, you probably don't know who he is, but it, it's a no. great documentary. It's called um, A British Horror Story, I think. That's what okay, it's called. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, and it's real. This guy is, hello, my darling, how are you? You know, he's one of those guys that he had his own show. He hosted Top of the Pops, you know, the, the pop shows, the music show. And uh, all that kind of thing. He went, he met the Queen, he was knighted. He used to take the Duke of Edinburgh around in his car in big Rolls Royce. He made millions of dollars, this guy. But he turned out to be a fucking arsehole or asshole, you know, whatever you want to say. You know, an arsehole, you know, different spelling. But um, what the the, um, idea came to me, um, not from that at all. It's. um, at my school, there was a, a deputy teacher came in. This, he was a deputy teacher, and his name was, he called himself John Smith. And uh, so Mr. Smith taught every, every bloody, you know, subject. He did uh, geography, history, math, English, you know, everything. Um, he was like, you know, he was a very, very, a very nice guy, apparently. All the, all the girls already loved him. And some of the guys loved him too. He was always very friendly and walking down the, you know, the hallways with the girls and giggling and laughing, telling jokes with them and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he stayed for a while. I, I think he stayed for about two or three months teaching us, you know. And um, one day we found out he'd been fired. And all the kids were shocked because they liked John Smith. He was a good, he was a good teacher. Mr. Smith, we love Mr. Smith. Oh, he's gone? Yeah, uh, the, the headmaster fired him. Oh, that's a shame. That really is, you know, really sad. Kids were crying, I think, but they were upset because this great guy had gone. And um, so anyway, months later, I was looking at the News of the World paper or some, I said in the song, was it the News of the World or some of those uh, Sunday rags? 
you know, in the producer, they're like the, you know, like the Enquirer. You yeah. think, oh, it's all bullshit stuff. But I opened this paper, the News of the World, whatever paper it was, I don't remember. But it was a Sunday paper, and I remember opening it, and it said, um, you know, a pedophile arrested, you know, for this, this, and this happening, what, he, what he'd done, you know. And there was a photograph of him. And I looked at it, and I thought, what? That, that's him. And I couldn't believe it. And that's the line in the song again. Wait a minute. That guy, that can't be him. Wait a minute, it is. <laughs> you know, I was quite <laughs> shocked because it was John Smith. It was our John Smith. And that's uh, where the Uncle John comes from, you know. Um, and then I've seen, uh, you know, programs about pedophiles and their lifestyle. And um, there was one I watched where uh, it was explained what how this these guys would approach children. And um, it'd be like, um, yeah, I'm a friend of your dad's. You know, uh, your dad, he works at the... What is he working? Yeah, yeah, there he works there. Yeah, I was talking to him yesterday. Um, he said to me to meet to meet you to get you from school. You know, I'll take you, I'll take you home if you like. Um, do you want to go get a, an ice cream as well? And uh, yeah, uh, my you, you can call me Uncle John. You can call me Uncle John. It could be Uncle Dave. It could be Uncle anything. But you can call me Uncle. You know, I'm I'm your dad's friend. I'm your uncle. I'm his cousin. Oh, okay. And that, that's what would happen to these kids. And uh, that's kind of, it's like two different people in the in one song rolled into one character, you know what I mean? But yeah. it's, a, it's a touchy subject and uh, we didn't want to go too stupid with the, with, the, um, with the video. And I think it's very subtly done, you know. We didn't use real kids, but we thought, we, oh, we use real kids. No, we used dolls. It was dolls and but it's still as menacing, you know. Yeah. I, think, yeah. I think they did a great job. No, they did an amazing job on it. I really love that one. Yeah, just the movements he makes. Yeah. Like, really creepy. I really like that. I like the song. I really yeah. do. Yeah, no, it's a it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a good one. So I appreciate you getting in depth on that one. So yeah, it's, it's a bit of a, a long story, but you know. Yeah. Hey, it's it's something that exists in 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 society and all of our lives. I mean, I'm a, yeah. I'm a parent of four young kids, and what's the oh, first yeah. thing you do when they're little? You say, "Hey, exactly. be on the lookout for your kid. Be a lookout. Don't yeah. always look around the schoolyard. Don't trust anybody. You never know who's in the in the background." So right. I mean, it's unfortunate, my, but it's reality. My dad saying something to me. There was there was a guy in my hometown when I was a kid. You know, I had my first electric guitar. And this guy works at um, one of these um, holiday camps, Butlin's Holiday Camp or something, which is like a, an entertainment place. There's all kinds of, like Vegas kind of thing. Yeah. And um, he, I don't know, I met him in the street or something. <laughs> Weird, this is. And he said, oh, uh, you're a guitar player, right? You've got an electric guitar. I said, yeah. I said, but I haven't got an amplifier yet. And he said, oh, I can make you one. But this was his thing to, get, to draw me in. Yeah. So I can make you one. If you come to my house in blah, 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 here's my address. And he gave me his address and I, I took it home, you know, and I said, this man wants to make me a, a, an amp dad, you know. And he said, no. He said, if you do go there, take some friends with you. So a couple of my friends went with me to this place and the guy was shocked. He said, oh, what are you coming on here? It was one of those things. And you had cakes on the table all laid out and some mm. or something. And Lou said to me, that's my dad, sorry. <laughs> Lou Bonnet. I always called him Lou. I never called him dad. And <laughs> he said to me, he said, well, you know, Graham, he said, some men, like boys, they fall in love with them. They love them. And that's all he said to me. He didn't take it any, anywhere else. Yeah. But yeah. Um, that was kind of, you know, so I didn't go there anymore with my friends. Right. I, you know, he was sh shocked. This guy was shocked that I put, you know, some of my friends with me. 
that ruined his plan. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm glad to say. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. So uh, next track up we want to talk hey. about. The Sky is Alive. This is one of my personal favorites. Uh, yeah. It's got that Middle Eastern vibe to it. Uh, yeah. Sort of that edgy, impending doom feel to the song. And sort of has that science fiction uh, storyline there. And I, I love... Uh, you know, sort of the uh, the female vocal texture added in the back. I assume that's yeah. Beth singing, but uh, you know, yeah. it's kind of a song. It seems like a song about the universe or maybe the mystery of aliens or something. So, really, really good one for the listeners. So, uh, give us a little on this one. Yeah, well, it, it's a, a phenomenon that actually happens. I mean, I haven't heard anything about it recently, but I saw some stuff on the news about this noise, this noise from the sky, and it actually sounds like. If you, if you imagine, a, you know, a Tyrannosaurus Rex or something, it sounds like a monster. And sometimes it sounds just like a heavy machine or something, but it's like, and it's everywhere. And it's coming from above. It's not coming from the from ground or, you know, or just over the road. And they thought it was something to do with mining or whatever, but it, it's not. They checked it out in different uh, towns in different countries. It's all over the world, this thing. And it's this weird noise that comes from the sky. And nobody to this day knows really what it is. Are we being, it is like, what is it? Is it something bigger than us and they're, they're watching us? We're on a, on a little, you know, ball there. And they're going, oh, no, you're doing that wrong. No, you know, whatever. We're in the goldfish bowl. And this thing is showing us the way to lead a better life or kill each other. Oh, there's too many of you now. You're going, you know, there should be a war now. <laughs> you know, it's, but it's, um, I don't know what it is, but if you sort of Google that, um, you know, noises from the sky, you'll find all these different sounds and it's for real. And it's not some kind of joke, like on Facebook or something. It, yeah. it is for real. And um, I, I remember one guy in England, um, it was on the news in England, and he, they, they took the cameras to his house and this was happening. He said, well, you know, and he said, well, can you hear it? Can you hear that? And they all said, no, wait, wait, wait. And the guy opens the window and there's this rumbling sound, this monster sound. And then he goes, what the hell is that? And they went outside and something outside, it must be something, you know, something traffic or something. And everybody goes outside, the, you know, the news people, and there's nothing there. There's no traffic. There's no whatever. It was definitely coming from above. So the sky is alive. Love it. Love it. <laughs> you know, I, I think that would be a great song to be playing live with the band, too. I hope that one's oh, going to make it in are, your we're, set list. We're going to do that. <laughs> ah, great. Great to yeah, hear. Yeah. yeah. But, so um, the next two songs, I, uh, I I really find these next two songs fun. And uh I call them, they go together, the yin to the yang. You have David's mom and then we're asleep. So whether you blatantly wrote these and placed these in that order, I don't know. And you can comment on that. But um, yeah. David's mom is a fun song. It, it, I can almost close my eyes and remember being a kid, 10 yeah. years old in 1980, turning on MTV and, and seeing this song on, on TV. It's that simple rocker of a song, real catchy yeah. riff. And of course, for the listeners ones, this is a funny one. It's that boy teenage boy fantasy story where he's out with his buddy and his his buddy's mom is going to drive him to town and then his yeah. buddy's mom has to get dressed up with the heels yeah. and the perfume yeah. and the imagery of uh the flirtation and the sexual tension builds up it's sort of like that every teenage boy's dream something out of like beavis and butthead <laughs> you know then you have the other side of it which is when we're asleep 
which reminds yeah. me a lot of like a story you would say about a typical married couple, you know, where <laughs> absolutely that's exactly what it is. The ups and downs, and I, I, the clever line that you say: the only time we don't fight is when we're asleep because we disagree. <laughs> clever and humorous, very good tongue in cheek. So. I love the yin to the yang to the yin. So tell us about this pair of songs, Graham. Well, yeah, well, the David's mom, I, I looked up uh, David's mom to see what, she actually died uh, about a year ago. She was 92. <laughs> yeah, but I was um, at that, I mean, she was a very young, I guess you'd be probably in her 20s at that time. Uh, when I'd be, I don't know, probably about nine or something. And uh, anyway, I went to see David to call on him and go, we were gonna go to town, you know, as the song says. And David's mom comes into the room and says, no, hold on, I'll take you. I'll take you in the car. It won't take me, you know, five minutes. And she said, just a minute, I just got to get ready. And I sat down on the couch and I'm looking around, you know, waiting for her to get ready. And then I noticed over the chair was a pair of black nylon stockings and they're hanging by the fire. And they were warming up, you know, for, for yeah. the legs, you know, like they, they did back then. But it was, it was cold weather, I think. But there were, I just, I can see it now. Those things <laughs> hanging there, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> look at the room. What, what are they there for? Anyway, and then she comes back into the room. I remember she had a, a very tight black dress on that was about to her knees, I guess. And um, she said, are you all right, Graham? She gave me a kiss. And um, she said, uh, well, just a minute. I've just got to get the, ready. I've just got to finish dressing. And she goes over and picks those, those stockings up. And she's standing in front of me, still talking to me. And, you know, the, the skirt goes, goes up and, the, you know, the garter belt comes down and these black stuff. And I'm going, <laughs> I don't know what to do. I know I felt something, but I didn't know what the fuck it was. I, <laughs> should I be looking at that? I thought I should turn away, but I couldn't. I couldn't turn away. And she, I think she enjoyed it. She was, yeah. she was watching me. And I think she knew she blew my mind. As the, I think that's the line in there. <laughs> she did. I was like, I can't look away, but it's bloody good, this. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, I remember that to this day. And uh, I saw some photographs of her when she got older and she was still good looking. Yeah. You know, she's beautiful. But she died not so long ago. Oh. Uh, she's 19 years old. 90 years old. Oh, yeah. And I found David as well. So um, it's, um, yeah. Cool of you to go back in that mental history of yours from being yeah. a kid and uh, yeah. painting that picture forward that can be relatable to any new generation, right? Yeah, I mean, people can identify with that. I'm not the only one, you know. That's that's another thing when you're writing songs. It's like, I, will people relate to this? And uh, I think that's uh, why I write about real life, if I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So um, the next song here, uh, I love this one too, and this is the one that features Don Airy. It's uh, just called, it's just a freaking song. And it's, uh, like I say, it's sort of, the Graham Bonnet band plays Deep Purple in a way. And uh, he really... Uh, it really adds to the texture. And in a way, it's yeah. sort of ironic and a little tongue-in-cheek that the struggle you talk about in the lyrics about why is it so hard to make a story for a three-minute song yeah. and it takes you weeks and months, yet you bring in Don Airy, and I say to myself, well, when Graham and the band were writing this, were they struggling? And did they have were they stuck in that dilemma and they had to say, you know, we, we need a sixth member of the band to come in here. Who's going to be that person to put it over the edge? And yeah. here comes Don Airy. But yeah. uh, it really is a, a cool little track and it's got that classic Hammond organ in there. So really, yeah. really nice. And it brings your, your long collaboration with him and your friendship back in. So tell us about yeah. this one with Don. 
Well, we don't, you know, I'd never written a song with Don. I know Don was ah. in, in Rainbow and everything, but he wrote songs with everybody else but me, you know. Ah, okay. Um, so this was like a first for me and him. You know, we never written a song together. And uh, I thought, well, yeah, it's all that Hammond thing. Yeah, it's very John Lordy, very Don Airy, very Deep Purple, you know, very, very yeah. much like that. And I thought, well, what, what can I write it about? And I'm looking at the blank page there. You know, I have my notebook. And I'm going, I just said to myself, what can I? What can I write? What's the subject here? It's just a fucking song. Um, ah, <laughs> I just said it's just a fucking song to myself. So I told that to Conrad or to Bethany. I can't remember who. Probably both of them. And we and so I can't say fucking. Okay, fricking. It's just a fricking song. And how hard it is, and how long it takes to write this song that only lasts probably about four minutes, you know, yeah. weeks and weeks or probably days or whatever. It takes a long time, hours of, you know, wondering what, what can I make this song up about? You know, oh, one second. Take your time. It's the keyboard player. Oh, yes, it is. Hey, come on, man. I'm just doing an interview. Uh, yeah. Can I use the bathroom quick? And then yeah, sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How are you doing, all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm back. Hello. So there's your keyboard player. Bring him on the yeah. air. Say hi. He's going to the bathroom. <laughs> How you doing? We're interviewing Graham about the new album. Great work on the album. Oh, I think yeah, so yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. You can go to the bathroom. <laughs> yes. Don't make a mess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, that, that's basically what it's about. And I think uh, Don, I love the middle part those, with those chord changes. Da, 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 da. There's yeah. some great changes in the middle before the chorus comes along. I really like that, but it was really hard to put harmony with that. I'm going, is that a major chord? Is that a minor? Is that a diminished? I had to really listen to every you know every note that Don played to get the yeah. harmony right for that little bit. Um, but I think it's turned out pretty well, surprisingly, because I thought, oh, this is just, I'm just throwing this away a bit. But um, it's turned out to be a little humorous one that has some kind of connection with the rest of the world, I guess. <laughs> no, it's a, it's, a, it's a good one. I enjoy that yeah. one. So we got two left on the uh, new album before maybe we touch just a bit on Alcatraz, MSG, and, and uh, maybe your plans for 2022. Uh, so Jester. So this is, a, this is another cool one. It's a proggy type song. I think you brought that up early. But I think, uh, you know, of course, it has the signature of Jeff all over it um, and his unique talents. Uh, you know, it's got that fierce vibe to it. I think when you when you look at the uh, the subject matter, it was obvious that this was probably written at the time of our former president. But it could also relate to our current president. It could relate to the guy in Russia. It can relate to anybody. But uh, I think it's uh, a song of the time. So uh, tell us a little bit about this one. Well, you're absolutely right. And you win. <laughs> <laughs> a lovely couch, you know. Um, it's uh, <laughs> you've got it right. I mean, that's what it's yeah. about. I mean, uh, I I had the opening line, um, and it, it was a bit a bit too obvious, I suppose. I said um, something something with this orange man, and Bethany said to me, "Oh, you can't get that. It gives it away too much. <laughs> Don't you can't call it because you know what he looks like, you know." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she said, "Why don't you say twisted man or something?" And it is about him and how people follow him, and I don't understand it, but uh, he, he's a, a joke, and he's still trying to get back into politics again, and I can't believe it. I'm not politically minded anyway, but, but this guy is totally, totally bananas, you know. I mean, I don't know if you're a fan either. I don't know. Yeah. It's, Are you? Uh, I, I try to stay out of politics, to be honest. I don't care enough about it. No, I don't either, because nothing changes no matter who's no. in. 
Exactly. I remember in England, my, my dad always used to say that. It doesn't matter, Graham. It's going to be the same. Nothing will change, yeah. whether it's Labour or Conservative, that were the, the two parties that were big there, you know. So, yeah. you know, it's about, it is about him. And uh, if I offend anybody, I hope I don't. But it's, uh, you know, I'm just taking a humorous look at our yeah. world, of uh, world of wonderful politics or people yeah. in, that uh, try to be politicians. He's really not. I remember watching something on TV. I was telling Bethany about it. It was asked about, what do you think about the Ukraine? And he starts talking about windmills. He said, well, windmills are causing cancer. You know, the windmills, you know, yeah. and the electricity, yeah. Um, and he, he's talking about what? He, had no, he, had, didn't, he didn't answer the question at all, which is very strange. But uh, that's what it's about. And I, I don't mean to offend anyone who is a fan of Donald Trump. I'm no, sure it's a wonderful And it's funny now that you, you think about it, Graham, when you wrote these songs probably two years ago, a year or two ago, it was also the state of the world then, right? Things are different yeah. now. They might be they might be crazy different with a whole different set of, you know, uh, yeah. you know, president and that kind of cabinet. But it really was just a, a period of time in there. So no, what uh, happened? I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. that mob thing, you know, where he said, well, go and, you know, he, he told them basically to go and do what they did. And, you know, it's all going down right now in court, you know, yeah. about, what are, you going, what are they going to do with this guy, you know? Um, I mean, some of those people have been arrested and put in jail, but there were thousands of them, you know? Yep. I, mean, I couldn't believe what I was watching, live on TV, you know? Yeah, so, that, yeah. So yeah. if I offend someone or anyone, I, I'm i sorry. I doubt that's going to happen, Graham. You're a classy man, man of uh, well, well-spoken man. You're not going to piss anybody off. So no. on to the, the uh, final track on the album, yep. Susie. So this one, boy, it threw me off when I heard it. I actually yep. closed my eyes and I said, wow, am I, am I watching the, listening to the Titanic soundtrack or something here? But, uh, you know, it's truly a love story um, after yep. you listen to it. I, I was playing it again today on my daily walk. Uh, it, just an amazing vocal performance. Uh, just great job by you. Uh, you know, for oh. the listeners, this is something out of a, a movie soundtrack with orchestration and everything. So sure, yeah. why now on this one in with a hard rock melodic album? Yeah, well, the we we lost a friend, uh, a, a friend called Susie in England. She was used to come to all our gigs when we played in England, and she used to bring us like cakes and stuff she'd made or, or give Bethany a gift of you know rings or whatever. She was really close to Bethany, and um, Bethany just said, "You know, why don't you write a song about Susie because you know she was such a great person," and when she died. Um, I was on the phone with her husband and he was talking to me and, I, and he said, Graham, I, let me tell you how it happened. And the line is in the song. He said, she, she just looked at me and smiled and then she was gone. Mm-hmm. And I put that line, I'm sorry, I'm cracking no, put that line in the song, you know, but the, when I heard the orchestration, I was blown away. You said it's like Titanic or something. Yes. And the, the, the guy that orchestrated the thing, he listened to every line and he, the stops, where it stops, it stops perfectly. She was gone, you know, there's all that going on. Then suddenly the, the, uh, the arrangement stops right where I say certain words. And then at the end, there's a big pause. And then I go into the high, higher register. Because I wrote it in the higher register, but Congress said to me, how about doing it down a bit? I said, it's a bit too low for me. But I said, after I'd done it, I said, you know, it wasn't really a good vocal day for me. I was a bit tired or something, but it sounded okay, you know. It was more, it was almost spoken in a way. Um, but to sing it down the octave and said, instead of right up there, 
leave that to the end after the big crescendo from the orchestra. Because he goes, you know, at the end, it's like, oh, God. You know, then the high note comes in. I, I said to him, you could do it. I just like the orchestration. You take the vocal off. <laughs> take the vocal off and just play the leave as it is. But, um, you know, it turned out well. And uh, I think it is, it is more honest because I wasn't showing off in the lower register, if you know what I mean. I show off at the end. I come and, yeah, this is me. I'm singing up there where I usually do. But I'm, I'm very proud of that because, um, well, I'm proud of it because it means something to Bethany. Every time she hears it, she cries. And yeah. It's making me a little bit choked That's up. Because amazing. she's a great friend. She really was. And she deserved... She deserved orchestration. She deserved the Titanic. <laughs> it's uh, you know what? You couldn't be more beautiful than that. What a what a parting gift for your friend. So yeah, really, people don't expect that sometimes from yeah. me. But you know, that's where I kind of started. I, I was a, very much a, a ballad person. You know, yeah. with the Bee Gees. You know, obviously back then, back yeah. in the 60s. Yeah, well, thank you for enjoying that. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I, I did that. And I think the uh, the listeners that listen to this interview and watch the interview, I think you're really going to appreciate it and be curious on that. So yeah. thank you. So, uh, Graham, I don't know if you have another five or ten minutes. Maybe just touch a little bit on uh, the uh, the MSG and the uh, Alcatraz days. you have a little more time or you're getting close yeah, well, to your limit? We're, yeah, they're getting ready for me. Well, I'm, uh, Alcatraz, I don't want to talk about. Okay. Things aren't good there. Uh, so right. I, I, don't, I don't want to give them any publicity whatsoever. <laughs> we'll skip that part of it. So yeah, tell us a little bit about MSG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it was great to get back with Michael again. Uh, we did that tour, you know, a couple of years ago before the fucking yeah. COVID thing happened, which was great with the other singers from his, you know, from different albums. It was really good to do that because um, I, when I was first in the band many, many years ago, we had the first gig we did, I made a fool of myself, um, which people don't know this story, or some people do know the story. Do you know it? I was going to ask you about it. I've read enough about yeah, it, but that was going to be my question. True, Tell us know. the true story. Yeah, well, I, I had a pair of jeans. <laughs> <laughs> I'd had made, it's called One Hour Jeans. I had them made in Oxford Street in London. And um, they made, you know, you know, so you come back, oh, one hour, that's great. And um, we, when we got to the gig, White Snake with it. They were opening up for us, White Snake. And my friends were, you know, in White Snake. And so went to the pub and started drinking. And uh, that was, you know, I was getting there. And I, I left my wallet back at the, at the uh, gig in the dressing room. And I go and knock on the door and Michael's in there and he's locked the bloody door. And I said, Michael, can, can you open the door? I need to get my wallet. I'm going to buy some beers over at the pub, you know. And... Um, he said, no, fuck off. You know, I'm, I'm sleeping. I thought, what, what's up with you, you know? And so, of course, it ended up me going back to the pub and getting more drunk. And by the time it was stage time, I was completely shit-faced. And um, I had to go on stage with, there were papers all the way along the stage that were of all the songs. Because some of them were songs that Gary Barden had sung, and I didn't know very well, but I'd learned them from the old albums, you know, the old MSG albums. And um, what happened was <laughs> the audience were all very enthusiastic and the floor monitors where my lyrics were, were pushed forward by the audience and it all went, <laughs> all got crushed up, all my lyrics. So that, that wasn't good. And I'm like, you know, I was wobbling all over the place anyway. And so I started swearing at them 
Are you fucking, you know, really swearing at them? And they were going, yeah, 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 fucking hell. You know, they were, they were shouting at me, I was shouting at them. It was ridiculous. And we started a song and I, I couldn't, I couldn't sing. I was totally gone. And I just went, oh, fuck it. You know, and I just walked off stage and um, they played the rest of the night instrumentally. And the guy that, one of our, you know, one of the crew took me to the hotel. He said, he said, they're ready to kill you, Graham. I said, uh, well, uh, you know, and I got on the train, went back to London and then from London to L.A. And I was expected to do this um, show, this festival, with headlining festival with uh, Michael. And I couldn't do it. They fired me, obviously, for, the, for what I did. But, um, you know, when I got back with Michael again, I actually sang the songs that I didn't get through on that particular show. Yeah. And I remember looking across at him and I did it. I did it, you know, because I was I was totally drunk, I, and that wasn't me anymore. No. And so it was really good, and we, we were all, it was all we we're all friends again, you know. But um, to be fired by that band, I was really upset about it because I really loved the music we did, you know. Yeah. But um, I, you know, I was an idiot, a complete idiot. And, and I see that. Uh, I mean, you, you did the 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 you know the uh, what did he, what did he call it? His sort of. Uh, he had all the singers come in a few years ago before COVID. Yeah. You were part of that. And I also saw looking at your touring schedule, there's a uh, uh, some shows in the UK, something called the Steelhouse Festival next month. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think you're both on the bill. So I'm, I'm assuming yeah. maybe you're going to jump up on stage with each other, play some of these songs again? No, I, I don't think so because uh. he's on the day after us. Uh, so okay. we're on the day before him. And then, you know, but, but uh, you never know, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we can actually stay there for another day. I don't think so. I think we're on the road after as soon as we've done the gig, you know. But uh, that's kind of funny. Would it would have been great to uh, actually go on and do something, a song or two, whatever. Because as I said, you know, we're friends now, and I love Michael yeah. as a guitar player. I think he's fantastic, and I love the album we did together. Yeah, it is. It is. A, it is a classic, legendary one. We enjoy listening to it. I know Verno plays tracks from it on his uh, Monday radio show. So uh, oh, they still remain alive. So talk yeah. about touring plans, Graham. I mean, I, I live in New Jersey, New York City area. I've actually only seen you twice because uh, yeah. you don't come to this way all that much. I think the last time you were around here was 2008. You played in Yonkers. Don't know if you yeah. remember that gig. And uh, the poster behind me, my uh, screenshot, yeah. uh, this one actually, I was on a business trip, uh, 2016, I think it was, in the UK, and I had one day to myself, so I caught a train from London to Southampton, and your band yeah. was playing there, and I went down to see the show and yeah. uh, got the poster, and uh, I was hoping to meet you, but you were off to the hotel, and I, I met Beth, and I met Conrado at that time, so they got the uh, the poster signed, and it's up in my heavy metal wall history, uh, my home office, so that's a little bit of the better background on there, so uh, keeping it personal, but tell us about it. Are you going to, any plans to tour in the States or do some well, one-off shows? Yeah, no, well, now, we see, at that time, we didn't have American management, which we really needed. Now we have American management. They're looking at doing, you know, more with us now because the album's doing so well now. It's gone into, in the Japanese chart, it's number yeah. 17. We know, I know that. So it's doing, we always do so great in Japan. Uh, so things are looking up, and the, the management really wants to build up this band, you know. Uh, you know, we, we forget about Alcatraz. They're not interested in it. Yeah. But that's something that's gone, and we'll see what happens with that in the future. I, I, I don't know. We're going through a court thing right now, and you know, anyway, it's um, it's something that uh, we really needed was somebody to help us out to get to play here because we never do. You know, I think the last time I played here was um, 
God, I don't know how many years ago as uh, outbound. A long time ago, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. But we get, we get a lot of gigs, in, obviously, in Europe and England. So we're, we're going out now. We're only doing, like, um, I think it's about four gigs, and then we come back here. And then in October, I know we've got some more gigs with um, uh, what they call the Dead Daisies. We're with those guys. So, oh. you know, it's, um, I don't know. Something's going to go on in between, hopefully, uh, because four gigs isn't that many to go, you know, all that way for four gigs. It's like, eh, you know, we need more. Are so, those stateside gigs with the Dead Daisies, or are they in Europe? Sorry, what? They're, are they in the States, those gigs with the Dead Daisies, or are they in Europe? I, you know, I don't know. I, I haven't looked at it. I, I, there, might be, there might be some here and some in Europe. I'm not sure. I don't really know. If, uh, if they're states-wide, Zverno and I will jump on a plane. We'll come out to L.A. and come see you over there. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't think we've got anything here. Well, I haven't looked at their, what the thing is. And it hasn't been confirmed, you know, yet, really. But uh, we do have the date list, and I don't have it handy. I don't, uh, don't remember where it was, what country it is or anything. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, so where can we, uh, usually when we wrap up the show, uh, we, we try to ask where can we find all the information for uh, the Graham Bonnet Band is the website, oh, Twitter, yeah. Instagram, all the normal social media yeah, channels. Yeah, normal stuff. You know, Graham Bonnet at whatever. You know, you'll you'll find lots of stuff about you know the band and me and whatever else. Yeah, okay. you can Google it if you like. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, before I mean, we wrap this up, we wanted to uh, we wanted to get a little uh, talk to Graham about outside Graham the musician, um, who you are, what your hobbies are, maybe something. One thing nobody knows about you at this point. Um, I will say, I want to ask you one thing. Uh, there's a, a video that was out about a month ago of you tending to some birds, some poultry. So is, uh, oh, is that a, yeah. a hobby of yours? Chickens or uh, no. roosters? <laughs> no, we, we, uh, our, our gardener um, said to Bethany one day, do you like chickens? <laughs> and she said, well, yeah. I said, would you like some? And so the, our gardener brought along chickens. So we have two chickens now, loads of eggs, you know, so we, we, we look after them all day. They, they grow. Aren't they, Bethany? The chickens. Yeah. The chickens. <laughs> yeah. So we, we have tons of eggs, but they keep hiding them. We have to sort of look around the garden to find like yeah. an, an Easter egg. It's Easter every day here. Yeah. <laughs> Easter every day. Yeah. Hi, Beth. So how are you? I'm well, how are you? That's one of our hobbies, if you will. But my, my real hobby or sport is cycling, which I haven't done for about three years. I've had a knee replacement, and I've had a lot of pro problems with the back surgery, knee, knee replacement. And so I, I'm finding it, I can't ride at the moment. You know, and that's why I, I would do 30 miles, 30 miles a day, every day without fail. But since I've had, um, you know, since this back surgery and my knee surgery, it's difficult to uh, you know balance properly yeah. so um i'm hoping my bike's out there now and it's, it's a great bike i love it i've been riding that's my hobby i've been riding for years yeah. i've always loved riding you know you get out ideas from you know when you're riding along you see things and you get ideas for songs or whatever but it, that is my sport but um, at the moment, you know, my legs aren't as strong as they were, you know, a couple of years ago because of this, the knee problem. I couldn't walk more than um, sort of like five, five minutes before I had this done. And I'd have to sit down. Yeah. When, when I was on tour, it was terrible. I had to sit on a stool when I was singing, yeah. you know, which isn't the greatest because you're not really, you know, opening up properly. And so, um, yeah, <laughs> that, that's that. And... Um, 
can't think of anything else as a hobby. That is my main thing, really. And I'm looking forward to feeling better, you know, uh, physically so I can get back to doing that because it really helps you breathe and everything else, you know, yeah. keeps your muscles all. Yeah, I, I miss it. I look at my bike now and it almost makes me cry. Oh, fuck. I wish I could get on you and go ride somewhere. Keep up the spirit. Yeah. I mean, I, 30 miles a day, I think, is not bad. That's quite That's a good, good ride. Yeah. Very good. good. How much? You know, so, um, yeah, and every morning without fail, I would just get, get on my bike and go, you know, and now I can't do it because of, you know, the operation on my knee yeah. and upcoming yeah. fucking things, you know. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I have um, uh, severe arthritis, basically, in both shoulders, in my left ankle, my left knee. So, you know, I put a lot of pressure on my left side because my right knee was messing me up at one point so now this is my left knee's playing up with it but now i can walk you know i'm glad to say but um the bike thing it, because my shoulder's hurting i can only raise my arm so far you know yeah and it goes crunch yeah. crunch 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 and the, this one too and so when i got on my bike i found that i couldn't balance because you're using your shoulders to balance and i just oh, i had to get up because it wasn't working so now i've got to just try to ride with um, this pain yeah. but it's not it's not hurting me now but it, it hurts when i do certain you know movements yeah. playing for instance you want to pick up my guitar and play pick up your guitar and play you know you That's know my 80 my, my 85 year old father i'm 52 you know he says to me he's a funny guy graham he says when i tell him about all my middle age aches and pains he says does your man part still work? That's all it yeah, matters yeah. at the end of the day. Don't worry about the rest of your body. Yeah, yeah. How's your sex yeah, life? That, that's the funny thing. Yeah, you go, wait a minute, I'm 40 speeds. Oh, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, well, where's she gone? Anyway. <laughs> yes, I mean, that's okay. Yeah. That's, a, Which that, is a that's funny all thing. that matters. <laughs> I'm glad you see But, you know, hopefully, I mean, I can sort of, you know, rotate a little bit here, but uh, I'm going to have another go on the bike and see if I can, you know, uh, get used to the sometimes crunching shoulders. You know, all, all the, the um, you know, the stuff in between your bones is all dried up. Did you need it? something? Eh? Did you need something? What? I don't know. I heard you You called me. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, guitar cable. I think going to hang me. I am. No, I was just telling them about my shoulders, that one day I'm going to be okay. Are you falling apart? Yeah, yeah. well... Hey, it was great. Well, it was okay, a great, you know, great discussion today. Great discussion today, Graham. Yeah, well, thank oh, you. No. Yeah, it was. We had some laughs. We, had no, we did it. We had a good, it was very insightful, very humorous, and you're a very witty man. So I'm really glad we finally got to hook up after yeah, a well, month of uh, delays, but uh, it's a good thing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. I mean, any time, you know, and uh, maybe you know, one of these days you can meet the rest of the guys and they can chime in. It'd be great if you could do that. That would be great. We'll uh, we'll yeah. think about it down the road and we'll get you back on the show and uh, yeah. yeah, we'll we'll see where it goes. So I think uh, thank you for your time today and uh, it was a great interview and we're going to get this one uploaded soon and and hopefully get everybody out there and more people buying your new album. So Absolutely. thanks again for your time. Yeah. Okay, man. You're very well. Great luck with your rehearsals. Nice to see you in person. Beth, if you look over my right shoulder, that's your autograph. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I was telling, I was was telling Graham, I'm a guy from New Jersey and I went to a concert in Southampton in the UK in 2016. I was on a business trip 
And I was talking to you after the show and I said, where's Graham? And she said that he went back to the hotel to go to bed and you and Conrado signed the poster. And that was the end of the night. I went to the pub with some local guy and got drunk. Wait, Southampton. I'm trying to remember. That wasn't the one where I climbed the lions. Hey, by the way, I'm from Jersey too. Jersey. Oh, oh, really? What, what part of Jersey? Well, I grew up in Cherry Hill. I'm from South. Okay. Jersey. South Jersey. I'm North Jersey, but hey, that's, that's okay. We're North Jersey up North, but still cool. Bond, but bond. Hey, <laughs> a bond. <laughs> yeah. Always a bond. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys. It was nice meeting you both. Yeah. And uh good luck with the rehearsals and most of luck with your health, Graham, and keep that humor yeah. up in songwriting. I'm okay. Best of luck on the shows. I'm Looking okay. forward to seeing some YouTube videos from those UK shows. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Woo-hoo. Yeah. I'm All right. I wanna I think we'll be good. Yeah, I, I'm excited I to good. see it. And we'll keep in touch with you guys on Facebook and social media, okay? All right, buddy. Yeah, too. Thank you. All right, please. Thank That's you, guys. Great Have a great Thanks one. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Bye. Bye. That was nice. Metal for Life. Thank you for listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Check out our website at MetalMayhemROC.com for information on podcasts, archives, links to all our live radio shows, and all sorts of info. Please like, follow, and share with everyone, even your non-metal friends. And always remember to keep it heavy. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.